0: All right, well, welcome to Mountainside Church this morning. Thank you for being here with us. As people gather in, we're going to stand up and we are going to worship together. We believe that God is so, so, so good that he's worth singing to, he's worth praising. So as we stand, uh, let's just join these guys in song. And thank you so much for being here today. This is going to be a good day. All right, God bless.
1: Open up the heavens And open up the heavens We want to see Christ, my living home Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are
0: my living hope. Yeah, Lord, we're here to acknowledge that, God, that, that you are victorious, God. Even when we struggle, even when we we have our own sin, we have our own issues, God, that you love us still, that you have won it all for us, God. You've given us a new start. You've given us a new life. and God, that's why we're here this morning, to remind ourselves of that, God, that you are good, that you're with us, that you are strong. That you're our living hope, God. You are our hope as we live life, God. So I pray that that would just be a healthy, sustaining reminder for us today, God. We love you so much. Thanks for all that you do for us in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys all have a seat. Thank you so much for being here this morning Uh, what we're going to do now is we are going to dismiss the kids so kids you just head out back to where his registration was and we have breakfast set up on both sides of the room we have breakfast over here we have breakfast over here take five minutes meet someone you haven't met yet have some breakfast and we'll come back for the sermon okay thanks for being here today
2: Good morning. Can you guys hear me okay? Awesome, you guys can come and take a seat. Make sure to grab some breakfast and get a little snack. If you are in junior high, grades five, six, seven, and eight, you guys can actually head out, have fun. I'm sure there'll be candy. I hope there will be candy. I hope I didn't promise you that. I might have given to all of them last week. We are in Mark 5 today, and I'm just going to jump right in. So if you guys have your Bible or your cell phone with your Bible, I will give you permission to bring out your cell phone now. (laughs) Do not Instagram me. I'm just kidding. Mark 5, verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? He was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house, and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. I love this story. There is so much... In it. And the story opens up with Jesus crossing over a lake. If you read the story beforehand, Jesus actually had performed a really crazy miracle. We've talked about it here at Mountainside before, but he had actually driven a bunch of demons from a man. The demons had rushed into a bunch of pigs, the pigs had rushed off of a cliff. And people were scared and asked Jesus to leave. So, he left and is now crossing back over to the other side of the lake. And a large crowd is waiting for him when he crosses over. And a man approaches Jesus, Jairus. And he totally interrupts Jesus' teaching. At this point, Jesus is probably teaching this crowd. And Jairus comes up, desperate. Desperate. And if you have a kid or if you have a niece or a nephew, I love my niece and nephew very much. And if they are sick, you are going to do absolutely anything in your power to get them healing. So Jairus, a very well-respected synagogue leader, comes and literally falls at the feet of Jesus, begging him, begging him. In that moment, he did not care about his dignity. He didn't care um, how he looked. All he cared about was this one thing, that he needed Jesus to heal his daughter. In January of 2014, um, my mom and I, we were running a few errands. And these were the days of the Canadian Target. May it rest in peace. I love Target with my whole heart. I am still devastated that it left and went back to America. So in 2014 were the good old days. And my mom and I, we were running a few errands. And uh, one of the errands was that we had to go to her doctor's appointment. So we're going to do a quick doctor's appointment and then carry on to Target and spend all our money. And uh, I waited in the waiting room and my mom came out and immediately I knew this was not great news. And she came up to me and she said, Eliza, I have cancer. And everything in me just dropped. And we walked outside of the doctor's office and there was snow on the ground, it was early January, it was freezing cold. But we just stopped in the middle of the parking lot and I just said, Mom, we have to pray. Like in these moments, the only thing that you can think of is coming to the feet of Jesus. So we just stood in the middle of a parking lot crying and begging God for healing. And I bet that is quite similar to how Jairus is feeling. He just needs to get to the feet of Jesus. But then there's a twist in the story. And we're introduced to another character, a woman who we never find the name of. And she's been bleeding for 12 years in my apartment, I have this really great stacked washer-dryer. I really love it. It ties with my garbage disposal as like my two favorite apartment amenities. Um, and some like when people come to my apartment, I'm like, look at my stacked washer and dryer. It's very exciting to me. Um, so when anything gets dirty, I just pop it into my washer and dryer. And when I was thinking about this, this, this woman, she didn't have like a laundry mat. She didn't have like a washer dryer. She would have had to hand wash all of her clothing she would have been dirty, she would have smelled, she would have had to hide, like, layers of clothing to try and hide the blood stains. I bet she probably didn't really leave her house. Um, she would have been ashamed. And in those days, get ready, we're going to talk about periods in church. Are you ready? <laughs> you didn't expect this. In those days, when women menstruated, they were considered unclean. This goes back to the beginning of the Bible in Leviticus. Um, So when a woman was on her period, she would have to leave. Um, She would have to wait until she was done. And then when she came back, she could be considered clean again. And so basically, during that period of time when she was away, she wasn't allowed to take part in any of the religious ceremonies. And back then, before Jesus came on the scene, um, the religious ceremonies were actually how you connected with God. So this woman, who had been bleeding for 12 years, had had 12 years of being considered unclean, 12 years of being considered dirty, 12 years of not being allowed to participate in anything to do with God. So she would have been ostracized, she would have been absolutely and utterly discouraged. Um, And I can't even fathom the shame that she felt. So on this day, she starts to hear about Jesus. Jesus has crossed over the lake. He's going with Jairus to heal his daughter. And he's probably walking down the street, and there's crowds piling in around him. And I'm sure this woman, there's like a buzz on the street, like, Jesus is here. Jesus is coming. He's going to heal Jairus' daughter. You know Jairus. And she probably heard this and thinks, like, this is it. This is my one chance. I have given all of my money to every doctor. There is no hope for me, but there is Jesus, and maybe he can do something about it. Verse 30, it says at once, after she touched him at once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. He turned around in a crowd, a big, massive crowd, and asked, who touched my clothes? I don't think Jesus was actually wondering who touched his clothes. He is all-knowing, he is fully God, and he is fully man. He would have known that the woman touched him, but he wanted her to come forward. He didn't want to shame or embarrass her, but to create a personal connection with this woman. The healing had already happened. It, already, it says that once Jesus realized the power had gone out of him, he wasn't turning around to find her to heal her. The healing had already been done. He wanted to have a personal connection with this woman. He wanted to take the time to stop, to turn around in the midst of this busyness, in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of we need to go heal Jairus' daughter. He stopped to find this woman. Because with Jesus, it is always about having an actual, personal, tender relationship with him. It's not about performance. It's not about these showy, flashy healings so everyone will know the Son of God. It's about having a personal connection. But of course, and if you've read parts of the Bible, you know his disciples are always like 10 steps behind him. (laughs) And they're like, what are you doing, Jesus? This is a really good PR stunt. Like, Jairus is like a top dog in this society. If you go heal Jairus' daughter, like people are going to really know about you. They're going to know that you are the son of God. They're going to know that you're healing. And why are you stopping to try and find a nobody? And I'm sure that Jairus was was also thinking, like, this is an emergency. We need to keep going. Why are you stopping? Why are you slowing down? Who cares about this woman? We need to go save my daughter. But Jesus is not in a hurry. (laughs) He is present in the moment. And he knows that a woman is here who needs him. I think Jesus asked who touched him so that he could have a face-to-face encounter with this woman, so that she could have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Jesus wanted to be more than this woman's healer. He wanted to be her savior He wanted to be her friend. He wasn't embarrassing her. He was healing her from the inside out, not just physically, but spiritually. He was offering her true healing, not just for her body, but for her soul. And the word heal here means when when Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you, it actually means save. So when he's saying, daughter, your faith has healed you, he's actually saying, daughter, Your faith has saved you, not just physically, but you have been saved spiritually. And then he says, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The phrase go in peace or shalom was a fairly traditional Jewish saying or way to say goodbye. But peace in this context, and normally when I think of peace, I think of like the opposite of worry or the opposite of anxiety or the opposite of being stressed. But peace in this context context doesn't actually just mean freedom from anxiety. Jesus isn't just saying like, go and don't worry anymore. Go and don't be anxious anymore. Go and enjoy like your full and whole body that I've healed you. He's actually extending an invitation to the woman. The word peace here, I think we have a slide for this, Ben. The word peace here means the wholeness or completeness of life that comes from being brought into a right relationship with God. It means the wholeness and the completeness of life being brought into a right relationship with Jesus he is extending an invitation to her not just to be healed physically but to live a whole and full life of peace that stems from being in relationship with him. So when he says go in peace and be healed from your suffering, he's actually saying go and live in the freedom and the peace that I give you. And I believe that this morning Jesus is offering the exact same invitation to every single one of us. A life of peace. Can you imagine that? (laughs) Is anyone's life really peaceful? If you have children, no. Is anyone else really tired? I am really tired. Does anyone else feel like this low-grade anxiety at all times? Are you tired of not having margin or a crazy busy schedule? Are you tired of getting to the end of the day, or the end of the week, or the end of the year? and looking back and wondering, where did that time go? Was I present? <laughs> Am I actually enjoying the life that God has given me? I work um, at CBC in Toronto, CBC News. Um, so really peaceful environment, lots of peace. Totally kidding. Um, No peace at all, lots of death, lots of terrible news. If you turn on the news, it's awful awful and horrifying. Rarely a good news story. Um, And this, I've been working there for almost, uh, just over a year. And about a month ago, I was doing some reflecting about my um, job, and I was trying to kind of calculate all of the tragedies that I had covered that year. And it was hundreds of thousands of deaths from every, like, and that's just from what I could remember, from the plane crashes and the school shootings and the mosque shootings, and like, just over and over and over again. And um, I can kind of just get in this space of being like, how on earth are any of us supposed to live a life of peace in a world that is so fraught with pain and anxiety? Um, it just brings me sadness and grief, and I'm like, do I want to raise kids in this world? Do I ever even want to leave my apartment? Um, but the thing is, is that peace doesn't come from inside of us, and the world kind of likes to tell us that. Like, you go to Indigo, and you can see all these self-help, book, self-help books, or on Instagram, girls will, I, I find this uh, thing really weird, but girls will, like, put uh, those, what are those, those bath bombs into... It's like a boomerang of a bath bomb. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but okay. But they're doing it because they want peace. And they're thinking if I can just like take a bubble bath or like read a book about self-help or like not go on Instagram for 10 minutes, I will feel peace. But pretty soon you're taking a bubble bath and then your child is crying outside the door and your peace is like totally gone. Because peace doesn't come from inside of us. It's not just something that we can like will. It comes From Jesus. Micah 5 verse 5 is a beautiful prophecy. I absolutely love it. It says, he shall be their peace. It's talking about Jesus. And another prophecy from Isaiah 9 verse 6. Perfect for Christmas time. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus. He is the source where our peace can come from. So, that sounds really great. (laughs) How on earth do we do this? How do we accept the invitation of peace in our real actual lives so that today we can go out and we we can actually live from a place of peace? Um, I want to share three ways that I believe um, that we can use to cultivate peace in our life, and I believe that this is what Jesus was offering uh, to the woman in the story as well. So our first point is, slow down. You're like, oh. (laughs) Have you ever thought about when you were in a hurry, like, is it really peaceful? When I'm driving to Toronto... I'm really feeling a lot of peace when all those cars are driving like maniacs around me and I'm really in a rush. That's like when I feel like top peak peace in my life. Absolutely not. When you're in a hurry, you're not at peace. You have to slow down. You have to create margin and space in your life when we read this story, we see the busyness of the crowd, of the disciples, of Jairus. Everyone's hurrying and rushing. And, and even Jesus, to an extent, like he's not mean. He's not like trying to make Jairus feel annoyed at Jesus. He's going to heal his daughter. But then in the midst of an emergency, in the midst of a crisis, where all common sense says to hurry up, Jesus stops and slows down and asks, Who touched me? And a constant theme. That if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a constant theme is Jesus slowing down. Jesus going away by himself. Jesus spending time alone in prayer and solitude in a wilderness for 40 days, waking up early before his disciples, staying up all night on a mountaintop. And if the Son of God, fully man, yet fully God, needed time alone and time to slow down, how much more do we? Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. I have a slide for this. I just want to read this over you, the message version. It's so beautiful. Jesus is speaking. Are you tired? Yes. <laughs> Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, don't run. And work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That last part's really important. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly sounds so good and it is possible but we get to be the ones to make the choices to slow down nobody can make that choice for you you have to decide that it is important to you to slow down to say no to create space for the voice of God in your life because he's not going to yell at you And I know we're entering the busiest season of the year, which is totally why I wanted to tell you this. Because it is an intentional decision that every single one of us can make to slow down, even in the midst of crazy Christmas. We're not called to just push through the crises and situations of life. But we are called to slow down and spend time with the one who's going to give us peace to be able to get through. Number two, so number one is slow down. Number two is to start looking at interruptions as opportunities. And the only way that we can look at interruptions as opportunities is if we've slowed down long enough to create margin in our lives. So we see Jesus slow down in a moment of busyness and crisis. But what is he slowing down for? A high official officer is begging him for help a really big deal. Gyrus is a big deal. But he slows down for a nameless woman. A woman. Like back then, this would not be happening. <laughs> I couldn't, never mind, I'm going to keep going on. I had a joke and it's not appropriate. Um, he slowed down for the least of society. But Jesus doesn't view her as an interruption, even though she is literally interrupting him. Instead, he stops in the middle of very important, miraculous kingdom work, and he gives her all the time in the world. So how can we view interruptions as opportunities? I think first, we need to create margin and slow down. Um, And second, I I think we need to listen to the voice of God in our lives. And that can come from a place of quieting ourselves. When I was in London, England, uh, a year and a half ago or so, I was on an internship, and so I paid to go there, and I wasn't paid to do the work. It's really messed up. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was poor and dr- really budgeting, and um, but this woman, I walked on my commute to work. I walked by the same woman every single day, to- always ignored her, because I had to focus on my work. I was there for a reason, da-da-da-da. and one day, Jesus just softly, I just felt him softly say to me, Give, like, go buy her a sandwich. I was like, don't want to. (laughs) So I go up to her and she doesn't speak English. And so I kind of just get her into a grocery store with me. And then she takes a basket, takes a basket up, starts walking down the aisles and put like putting in cheese and ham. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm buying her all her groceries for the month. (laughs) And I'm just like, we're walking and I'm like, okay. fine. And then I'm just saying to God, I'm like, you didn't tell me to buy her groceries. You told me to buy her a sandwich. Like, this is not the deal we had. And God is like, chill out and I'm going to provide for you. It's going to be okay, Liza. (laughs) So we buy her groceries and I walk away and God's like, I'm never going to let you down. Like, if you listen to me, Liza, I'm never going to let you down. The next day I got a scholarship from my school for writing an essay so I'm not saying that you always get like, blessed right away for giving, but God is never going to let you down. When we listen to him, when we view people not as interruptions, as opportunities to love them with the love of Jesus Christ, trust me, he's going to be right there doing it with you. And lastly, so first, slow down to cultivate peace. Second, view people as not interruptions but opportunities. And third, spend time with Jesus.
0: This woman had an
2: encounter with Jesus, and if our goal is to become more like Jesus, and if you are someone who is following Jesus, that is generally the goal. Um, Jesus, the person who offers us peace and love and joy, then we need to constantly be spending time with God. It's like the same, like my mom always told me, like, you become who your friends are. It's the same thing. Like, we actually will become more like Jesus when we spend time with him I need a lot of help in this area (laughs) a lot but I'm working on it it's such a it's such a journey like that Matthew 11 verse 28 it's a walk like we're walking with him we don't have to be Jesus by tomorrow but we get to spend time with him and slowly become like him each and every single day And spending time with God absolutely looks like reading the Bible and praying and coming to church service and spending time with people who love Jesus. Um, But it also looks like living your life just in the presence of God. God is as close to us as the air we breathe. He's not just here. He's not just in your car. He is with us in every single moment. He is Emmanuel, my favorite, favorite word. God with us and the more we spend time with jesus the more we are tapping into the source of peace i'm definitely not saying that you won't experience pain or sorrow or anxiety but i am saying that you will always have the presence of god with you and he is the source of all peace and you won't be doing it alone in psalms somewhere in psalms it talks about how even the dark is not dark to God. And I. there's a lot of darkness for me. Like, I feel there's a lot of dark. But when I am with Jesus, it's not. None of this is dark to him. So my final thing that I want you to take away is that Jesus is inviting you into a life of peace. And that that is absolutely possible. The woman experienced the presence of God. And in the presence of Jesus, there is healing, and there is wholeness, and there is peace. And every single one of us today has the exact same invitation. I'm going to pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for stopping to look at us, God. Thank you for slowing down long enough to see us face to face. That even in our shame and even in our, our, our sin and our gross uh, stuff that we carry around with us, God, that you see us, that you see us as worthy of being stopped for. God, I just pray that as Mountainside, as we finish off 2019 and launch into 2020, that we would be people of peace and that that comes from you, God, that we would be people who slow down long enough to notice your presence in our lives because, God, you are here, not just at Mountainside on a Sunday. You are here in every one of our lives, in every single day. And I just pray that we would continue to see your presence, Lord. We love you so much. Amen.
3: That was really powerful, Liza. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I have a really close friend who just recently posted something about not missing the goodness and awesomeness of God and not being numb to it, right? And how we get caught up in the busyness of life and don't want to be too tired or too sad (laughs) or too happy or excited to miss what he's doing in us right now. So um, I just invite you to stand and uh, sing about the goodness of God.
1: The of the goodness
0: of God. Yeah, God, we just, we just pause and just, we just remember that, God. We slow down, we slow down, we just remember how good you are, God, you are so good, you are so good, we thank you for that, God, I want let, to, let's just take a, let's just take a moment, if we just all close our eyes, across the room, let's just take that in for a second, okay, just in the calmness of the moment, the stillness of the moment, Let's just remember how good he is. Wow, God. God, even when we are so on the wrong path in life, you are still so good. I'm just wondering if there's some people here, even now, where you're thinking, just kind of eyes closed, where you're thinking, yeah, Michael, I wouldn't say that my life is 100% right with God right now been headed down the wrong path. I want to encourage you in this moment right now in just the stillness of this moment, let's recommit our life to God. God's not going to make you jump through any hoops. He's not going to make you, you know, say some special prayer formula or anything. He's just, He's calling you back to Him now. His arms are wide open. So for those of us who, yeah, maybe we've been on the wrong path, let's just take a moment just in the stillness. Let's just In our hearts let's recommit our life to god let's tell him god we're sorry for heading down that path we want to make things right again we want to make our life right with you again he's there for you he's not going to say i told you so again his arms are just open wide and again with eyes closed i want to let you know for maybe those of us who have never made that decision before to say yeah god i believe you are good I want the peace that we've been talking about today. I want a new life today. I just want to remind you and I want to encourage you that God loves you. That God wants a relationship with you. That regardless of what you've done in the past, He cares about you. And He loves us so much that He came from heaven and earth. He died on the cross, He rose again. And when we put faith, in Jesus, the Son of God, when we believe that He died for us and rose again for us, when we admit that we need Him, that God actually saves us. He actually makes our relationship with God bright because of Jesus. So I encourage you, if you've never made that decision today, What's stopping you? You can make that decision today. So even now, in the same way where we just ask those who maybe have been on the wrong path and and we need to make our lives right with God again, for those of us that have never made that decision before, I encourage you, let's make that decision right now, just right where we are in our hearts. Let's ask God to come be a part of our life. Let's let's tell him that we believe in him. Let's tell him that we have faith in him. Because when we do that, when we believe, put our faith in Him. He gives us a new life. He makes us new people. So God, I thank you for the, the, the people in the room that they're putting their life back on your plan. They're coming back to you, God. I thank you for the people that are making that first decision to come to know you today, God. I pray that that decision would be solidified it would stay, Lord. It would last for the long haul, God. And God, thank you for that reminder that you are good. All things you are good, and we just need to slow down and receive your peace. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. You can ha- have a quick seat just as we close off the service. Whoever said women can't preach has not heard Eliza Ladder preach. Am I right? Like that was that was yeah, come on, that was incredible. That was amazing. That was amazing. Uh we're gonna we're gonna take up uh, Giving real quick. So, if you would like to be part of what we're doing financially, ushers, you can come forward. You can give through the buckets here. Uh, we also have a laptop set up at the back. You can give online, and then uh, just on the website, Mountainside Give. You can you can give as well. Uh, thanks for being uh, a part of that. And as that's happening, I just have one quick announcement that I want to let you know. Oh, oh! First off, I gotta—he's gonna be really embarrassed. I'm pointing him out, though. But our former superintendent of of the Western Ontario District, our denomination, David Shepard, is is here today. So we just, let's give a round of applause for David Shepard over here. He's just the—we uh, just we really look up to him and everything he's done. And fun fact: Bethel Church, who is our sponsor church. Who, who is the church that enabled us to be a church. Uh, pastor David was the lead pastor there. for What was like 20 years, something like that? Yeah, for like over 20 years. So he's kind of a big deal and a legend, okay? So make sure you, you shake his hand uh, before you go and that kind of thing. Um, uh, I actually, I guess if, if offering's done, uh, just the announcement, uh, we have a partnership meeting happening now. Um, so if you are a church partner, uh, we are going to meet just where the junior youth meet, just outside those doors at, what, what time is it now? In maybe 20 minutes, yeah, in about 20 minutes we're going uh, to have some pizza, we're going to eat some food, and then we're going to discuss finances, vision, goals, uh, kind of where we're headed next year as a church family. So it's going to be really great. Uh, anyone can become a church partner. Um, You just go to mountainside.church/partnership. All the details are there. Um, So please join us for that uh, if you're able. And with that, we're going to dismiss you. If you could do me a favor, though, since the setup is a little more tight than normal, if you could fold down your chair um, and stack them in piles, that's just going to really help us as as we pack up quickly, okay? So God bless. We'll see you next week. You're all uh, incredible people. Thanks.